It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Black Lives Matter. It's a statement that is once again resonating with such urgency after an attack in Wisconsin in which a black man, Jacob Blake, was shot seven times in the back while walking away from police while his children watched from the car. He now lies in hospital, shackled to his bed. Black Lives Matter is a chant, it's a movement, and it retains its urgency as policing in America and beyond continues to fatally oppress black lives and black voices. And in this week's Slow News podcast, we're investigating one bit of that oppression, of the shutting down of black voices. Because while hip-hop and black music has long exposed the injustice, the poverty, the over-policing, the mass incarceration and violence that hits black communities, it too, the music, is being policed. Nearly a decade ago, a new genre emerged in Chicago called Drill, rooted in the experiences of youth on the city's south side. But Drill was more than that too. It mobilised artists, mostly young men, to harness new technologies like YouTube to tell their stories. A couple of years later, it inevitably migrated to the UK, where the police response has been so severe, it's raised serious questions about free speech and the freedom of expression. I'm Basha Cummings, and in this week's podcast, we're going to investigate how a small community of young artists have been denied their voice, and I speak to the man who's trying to give them a space to be heard. Let's travel back to 2015. Grime is having something of a resurgence. But another genre is exploding alongside it. But in the shadows, it's not getting as much coverage, or if it is, journalists and critics are connecting these tracks directly to gang culture. This music like so much black music before it, is being seen as an agent of violence, not as music in its own right. At its heart is a form of aggressive rap music known as drill. Raheem Ainsworth Barton was shot dead at the start of May. He was part of a South London group who'd posted this drill video. Filled with boasts, taunts aimed at other gangs and references to drug dealing. And the anxiety over these new tracks is so great that police start using unprecedented measures to try and get it stopped, literally banning artists from performing or uploading their music. Today, a judge banned five young drill artists from performing or uploading songs that incite violence. But on YouTube and other parts of the internet, the numbers, the sheer volume of listeners, suggests that something huge is happening. 
It's, it's one or the other, depending <laughs> on the time or day. <laughs> yeah, hi, hi. You all right then? Sorry. Yeah, we can do, we can do. That's Corey Johnson. He has, as you can hear, a completely infectious laugh. And he's more positive about the lockdown than pretty much anyone I've spoken to. This is where millionaires are born. Even when countries go kaput, then there's always then those that you're going to unfortunately have that mad divide where the people that are usually rich then get kind of harder and the people that was poor before get to go up. We're on our way. <laughs> and he plays a crucial role in London's drill scene. This is his story. Um, I'm Corey Johnson, um, the CEO and founder of Defenders Entertainment, which is 20 years next year as an independent label. Um, the founder of then Community Youth London um, and Digital Holdings, which are 15 years next year. And um, away from helping and developing young talents and creatives in the industry of the Jedis, I'm the Darth Morse. I'm the underground Jedi that believes in the kids. Nice. That's a good way of putting it. And so let's let's start at the beginning of your story, because from what I know, your story is really key to understanding what you do now and why you do it. So tell me about where you grew up. I grew up in Brixton um, from Mike's Hall Estate. I come from like a really big um, Jamaican family. So like I'm like third generation, like my family are very well known. And um, I grew up as a real good kid, straight A student until I was in my early teens. Um, but before more or less becoming a naughty teenager, when I was 10 years old, I was signed um, where the government went around to different schools looking for young young kids that could rap. So obviously they went to Brixton looking for kids that could rap um, just to create a song about the ozone layer at the time, just to raise awareness about greenhouse effect. Us, we used to wow. rap and break dance and stuff at lunchtime. So like the teacher came and said, yeah, we've got these kids. Um, next thing we know, we're signed and bloody, we're on Whack-A-Day and Dance Energy and on tour. But things got tough for Corey. From becoming a, a quite an active and popular teenager um, and getting myself in, in, in and out of trouble, I spent a few years then, um, where my life was completely different, where I'd gone from being like a straight A student that had like loads of potential until I spent like a good part of my teenage and early 20s in and out of prison until I found something that I love. And then, yeah, in 2001, I came out um, after quite a long stretch. And yeah, I said, I'm gonna start my label and start doing events to help young people. And yeah, it's 20 years now, where at first I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, I just had this idea. So like, I remember like Defenders was first Defenders of the Underworld Management. And they're like, no, you can't be Defenders of the Underworld. But I'm like, okay, well, Defenders of the Younger World then. Defenders of a younger world. It's a beautiful way of putting it. And Corey hit it big. Digital Holdings, his label, has worked with huge stars like Tiny Temper and Jesse J. But his biggest claim to fame is a good one. One of the songs that he released on his label was sampled on Drake's One Dance, which made it to number one in 15 countries. So first off, I asked Corey what exactly it is we're talking about when we're talking about drill. There'll be a lot of people listening to this podcast who, you know, they know what hip hop is, they know what grime is, they might know what trap is, but drill is something slightly less known if you don't listen to that kind of music. So how does how does drill sound? Drill is um, a sound of of the underground, like most every year drill has its rap tone and its own tempo um, where they then even have their own slang and words 
And Drill was actually being adapted um, totally from a sound that's then started over in Chicago. And then the producers over here have then honed the sound and it's the production that's really made it Drill. Drill isn't the lyrics. Drill is the sound. Drill is the culture. And from the very beginning of our conversation, Corey was clear. Drill is not synonymous with violence. And to assume that it is, is to underestimate the soul of the music and why it's important. But drill isn't the lyrics and drill isn't the negative and the kill each other. Drilling on the beat is just the sound, the tempo and the culture that they've then grown up in. But it isn't just about kill, kill, kill. I think because drill and kill and it all sounds two L's in it, everyone's like, oh, it's the same thing. Like, no, it's not. If you look back at any of these other UK sounds, even when Grime was birthed, Grime predominantly was then at the times when Canary Wolf was really then growing, we're going through the poll tax and all these other economic situations, and these kids were just talking about what's happening. For now, these kids are just in a bit more violent time where, um, where there's less money, there's less guns on the streets, so kids are more accessible to getting knives out of their kitchens. Because when I was growing up, it was all about guns, and then now it's all about knives. And I don't friend friend with snitches, told a civilian shush. He had to push that dark in the light and the light in the dark from the day to the night. But Corey is fighting a battle to convince others that drill isn't dangerous. These are associated with lyrics which are about glamorising violence, serious violence, uh, murder, stabbings. They describe the, 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 the stabbings in great detail with great joy. That was the head of the Metropolitan Police, Cressida Dick. And here the story becomes much more complicated because as knife crime reached a 10-year high in 2018, increasingly in the media and the police and in government, the focus settled on drill. And the question is a well-worn one. And it arose with hip-hop, it arose with Grand Theft Auto and with many of Tarantino's films. The question of whether these things fuel a rise in violence. Well, I th I'm working, and I think the Home Secretary, the new Home Secretary, will be as well, working very closely with social media companies to, to get them to think about what they can do about this. Um, for for us, if it's against the law, it's against the law, and it ought to be taken down. Uh, and if it is inciting in some way gla or glamorising violence, then we think they have a social responsibility to uh, work with us to take those videos down. And we do get some support with this. And the police started deploying extraordinary powers, some designed for use in terror cases. And they argued that explicit, aggressive lyrics cause real-world violence. And in the last couple of years, YouTube, where most drill videos are posted, has now complied with over 100 requests from the Met Police to take down drill videos. And the police themselves hold an archive of over 2,000 videos to track. The Met's Operation Domain even has dedicated officers who claim to be able to interpret drill lyrics to determine which are unfit for the internet. And if they are deemed unfit, the police can issue a gang injunction, something between an antisocial behaviour order, also known as an ASBO, and a court order, and they can shut musicians and their music down. In January 2019, two artists, AM and Skengdo, were given a two-year suspended sentence for performing a song in the North London club Coco. By naming certain people at that gig, they were breaching the terms of their injunction. Then you've got then there's the actual stopping you from making music, like that's stopping you from earning the income. That's the goes against their civil rights. That's morally and civil, like not right. And is that happening now? That's happening to people yeah, now. That's been happening. There's that's been happening for the last couple of years. 
That's happened to AM and Skengdo. That's happened, to, that's happened to, to loads of artists that I know personally, that I've seen the paperwork, that I've seen them for myself. And I'm like, yeah, you can't perform music full stop. But neither of them had convictions for violent offences, and there had been no violence at any Skengdo and AM shows. But the use of these gang injunctions are part of a systematic crackdown on drill groups, who police believe are linked to the highest level of street violence in London for a decade that led 149 people to be killed in 2019. Skengdo and AM are now banned from the SE11 postcode of Kennington in London. Some drill groups have to get police approval before they release a song. Zone 2 rapper Quengface can't post anything on the internet that shows him wearing a balaclava. Now, AM and Skengdo say their songs are just a real-world commentary on their lives in a sometimes violent part of South London. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Does what's going on in the American election scare and bemuse you in equal measure? Want to know what Biden and Trump are up to without tearing your hair out? Then you need to listen to American Friction, the brand new podcast about the countdown to the big vote in November from the makers of Oh God, What Now?, The Bunker and Paper Cuts. Every Friday, we'll speak to leading experts and blockbuster commentators from the United States to explain the latest news and the big issues behind the vote. That's American Friction with me, Jacob Jarvis. Me, Chris Jones. And me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. Out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Just as their careers were gathering pace, offering them a route out of the poverty that they grew up in, they became targets of the police. But the evidence of an actual causal link between music and violence is still deeply unclear. And for Corey, these police actions are a profound misunderstanding of what drill is really about. I've had the two young ladies that then head up the YouTube police, what we call them, but they work for the Met and they also then work in partnership. I've spoken with them in my office where we're sitting now. They've come and visited me, same way that the Serious Crimes Unit, I go and sit down on their meetings. And to be totally honest, you've got then what to me is more or less a scapegoat where there is an element of the criminality in most music. If you look at the US rap, if you look at the French rap, if you look at, even if we take it back to something like the mods and the and the, and the old Quadrafina days, they're literally the same kind of thing there within their music and message because they're talking about what's happening in society. The same thing, so where they're then talking about what's happening in society, there are some individuals that have 
then talked about what their specific incidents are. There are, but if we really think there was, if there was that many kids killing each other, there, this would be like a war zone. So a lot of it is ego and bravado, a lot of it is poetic. So as much as there are some of them that, yeah, they are then talking about some real messed up things that they've done, they are then glorifying. And that part of it is then certain small individuals, but that's not then all of them. I feel like the genre in itself has got this demonized because these are now young kids that usually would be selling drugs and going into the prison system. But then now they have a way then of making a legitimate income from their music. Corey sees it as part of a wider problem too, that policing is now increasingly removed from the society and the communities that it's there to protect. And as the Black Lives Matter movement continues to push for change and accountability, and as black men and women are still treated with brutality in the US and beyond, this relationship is more strained than ever. Here's Corey again. You have then police officers that come from outside the London, not understanding the body language or the slang or the slanguage of these young people, regardless of their ethnicity, and then automatically thinking they're being aggressive when they may be just communicating. That single lack of understanding, you shouldn't be policing. That. It's like working in a zoo or in a farm and you're a farm keeper, but you don't know nothing about the animals. It don't make no sense. <laughs> you can't, how can you look after the chickens and you don't know if they're laying, if their wings need doing? Like you have to know the, the, who you're looking after or otherwise you're just an oppressor. So the police are not seen yeah. as a part of the community. That's where they need to get back to being at the primary schools, having the police discos, having a bit more where we used to have the bobby on the beat. Like, yeah, get out of your car, get a bit of exercise and be a part of the community. That's the, that's the, that's the reality of it, that this is where it goes. It gets right back to what works. Because I said there's already working examples outside of London where the police are a part of the community. But admittedly, viewed from the outside, the slang can look bewildering and it can seem pretty scary. And you're going to have to forgive me now because I'm going to sound like the whitest and poshest person ever when I read these out to you, so don't laugh. But words like sheft and splashed and chinged, quenged and dipped are all words for stabbed, so you get the picture. And of course, related to this, and Corey is very clear on this, it's a class issue, but it's also a youth issue. Because gaming the YouTube algorithm is a part of this story too. The algorithm that delivers us endless similar content has come to shape part of how the drill scene has evolved. Particularly in Chicago, where drill originated, musicians figured out that if they could get their name next to the name of someone who was popular on YouTube, they could go viral too. And that led to a huge rise in diss videos where rappers would call each other out by name. And that combative call and response style saw rappers game the algorithm and by doing that explode on the internet because of this masterful grasp of the technology and that innate understanding of how digital culture works and spreads. And that for Corey underlines part of the transformative and innovative power of drill that he says has been completely overlooked. And it's something that he knows in a different way from his own life. It's, it's an amazing journey and, and I'm just curious about that moment you came out of quite a long stretch in prison, you were still young. What was it at that moment that made you feel like this time was going to be different, you were going to commit to doing music? Just found something I wanted to do. Like any anytime people think that, or oh, they say that, oh, um, I got, I went to prison, then I turned my life around. They wasn't a criminal in the first place. They was maybe in the wrong place, wrong time. 
any criminal that I know, as soon as you come out, your clothes don't fit you no more, so you need new money. <clears throat> like, you've got a lifestyle to keep up with, you want the latest things that's going on, so the last thing you're thinking about doing is giving up crime if you haven't got something to replace it. So you just have to find something you're passionate about, and that's all I did. I found something I was passionate about where I was willing to get up every day even if it wasn't making me money just because I was passionate about it. That's, that's all it was. It wasn't anything, nothing never went wrong. It wasn't that, oh, there was this big epiphany or this big time when I've just, that's all in the movies. It doesn't work like that. It's just you've got something you love or you don't because you love getting money. But if you find something you love, yeah, then that replaces that. And in the last 20 years, he's shared that passion with teenagers who could have been just like him. I'm here then doing the same thing. And then you know, I've lost count of how many young people and especially so like at the school age have come from this building and then they've gone on Tiny Temper, Jesse J, your SLs, your Heady. These are all young boys and girls that come here on a frequent basis before any record label or radio station or any managers even heard of them. These are the, this is the same with the Harlem and the, the Zone 2s that out on the street, they have their problems, but this is the only place which is neutral for everyone. So even Operation Trident called this place Switzerland. I've seen time and time again where it's then young people that even at the time where um, they're meant to be in the studio, when both of their friends was at the studio and they wasn't and they ended up being killed. At the same time where their friends are then, this is not then where that the day after, I'm talking about while your friends are in Juno Way and you've gone to go meet girl killed. When your friends are in Juno Way and you've gone to follow this other friend killed. Over the years, nine people who have visited the studio have been killed, but the space itself has become known as Switzerland, a neutral space where the feuds and the alliances of the street are left at the door. Tell me more about this idea of Switzerland, because that's what's so unique and special about the studio that you run. What, what does that term mean and, and what does it mean in practice? Um, in practice, somewhere where everyone goes, where they respect the place, and it's not because they're out of fear and it's not because they're out of badness, it's, it's, it's out of respect and love um, communication. I think that that's what's then missing, is that a lot of pe people demonise these young people without understanding them. Most of them are just scared. They're not bad kids. These are kids that are scared. They're, it's peer pressure. One's just following the other, so it's kind of mob rule. But really, most of us, when we was growing up, us kids that was naughty, our parents and our uncles and our granddads was naughty. We're, it's in, it was more or less in our DNA. It's a safe space then, a space for creativity, for self-expression. But there's another more prosaic upside to all this. These kids are making money, and sometimes they're making serious money. These young kids are making 50000 off their first mixtape. This isn't allowed. So already this is an economic issue. These young boys are making money in their record deals that can then buy their mum a house. This isn't an attack on their music, this is an attack on their economics. This is like re-gentrification in a way. Because now people who couldn't afford to buy a house in Brixton, the area they grew up in, can. So they don't want us making this money. This is making young kids millionaires. This is making young kids serious money. This is economics and they're not having to do it through selling drugs. And we're not talking about small fry here. Some of the most viewed drill videos have been viewed on YouTube over 30 million times with low startup costs. I mean, you can basically produce this stuff in your bedroom. You can build your way out of a crap situation. And I think that's why Corey's so upbeat. He's inspired by the self-belief of these kids and he's there to give them a space. 
So he's been regrouping in lockdown and he's resolute of the power, even more so now in a pandemic when people are losing their jobs, when schools have been shut. He's resolute of the power that this music is giving to young people. The, the positive and the, the funny thing, the young people that are making music have continued to make money during the lockdown when their parents haven't. So the young people that are then, the other ones have mental health issues and financial issues to come out to. But the ones that our music is still being streaming, people have been at home more than ever and on their phones and on the internet more than ever. So the young people that then are in the media and the music industry are making more money than mum and dad right now. Uh. Speaking to Corey made me think about this quote from Mike Skinner from the band The Streets, who once said something that I think encapsulates exactly what it is that Corey finds so inspirational about this genre. Mike Skinner said, I've always been fascinated by music that comes from the streets of the UK, from rave to drum and bass to garage to grime to dubstep. The way that this island creates scenes out of nothing. No music school, no funding, no facilities. If you wanted something, you had to do it yourself. Pure self-belief. And I think talking to Corey, listening to this music, and knowing the communities that many of these kids come from, there's something in that self-belief. Despite everything, despite the brutal policing and the crackdowns, there's some self-belief in reflecting the life that you see around you. Thanks for listening today. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, I think there's a really good chance that you'll enjoy all the other journalism that we do at Tortoise. There are articles that you can read through our app or online. And because we're an open newsroom, that means that there are a whole load of editorial meetings that you can join in on from wherever you are in the world. You can shape our journalism and the stories that we tell. So all you need to do is get our app and you can get access to everything. Just go to tortoisemedia.com forward slash pod trial for a 30-day free trial. And just as importantly, of course, if you like this podcast, please share it or give us a review. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Gemma Ware, host of The Conversation Weekly podcast. Each week, I get to speak to some of the smartest people in the world as they connect their new research to the biggest news and issues of today. You'll get a bit of everything from how women are changing North Korea to the emerging science of interoception, our sixth sense, to the importance of intellectual humility. Follow The Conversation Weekly for new episodes every Thursday and read more stories direct from academic experts every day on theconversation.com.